Good morning and welcome to the Red Net Show, where it's always morning, even in the afternoon. My name is Jay Edgar, and I am joined to your left by the wonderful Elaine, who decided with me today that we were going to have a dress-up day off of this here, just because of the meeting I had earlier on. How was your day otherwise? You have no mic. Uh-oh, we still have some technical difficulties here. You're still muted. There we go. There we go. Now we've got it back up. How was the day? Pretty good. How was yours? How was your meeting? It was good. It was a lot of information. It wasn't uh, really anything set in stone right now, but they're going to be taking me down the uh, proper path here to kind of switch careers and make sure that I have a lot more time to dedicate to doing uh, this stuff, which is the stuff that I love here. So I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I think there was a lot of promise going along with that, and I do think that there is going to be a lot more uh, real estate to getting ready to be passed around this area, which means a lot more money me for me potentially. How's the campaign? Crazy. <laughs> huh? I hope that we'll every have day is an, every day is a new adventure. I hope that we'll have a few stories here at the end, a little bit more about what's going on with a bad story. But that's what we have up here, and we do have a lot to get to today and a little bit of an abbreviated show for you guys coming up here as uh, we come along. We have got, let me get the itinerary up here for you guys. Looks like we had a series of executive orders that came. It was kind of a slow news week this past week up until about Thursday when everything just kind of hit the fan and everything just went crazy. <laughs> we had a yes. few executive orders pop up over here, including with the stimulus and some teasing about the pre-existing conditions and the ACA. And after weeks and weeks and weeks of tempting us with it, he finally went through and said no more TikTok unless something major happens or they get bought from a, an American company. So we'll talk a bit about there. The New York Attorney General had the press conference that everybody on the Twitter left thought was going to be the one that indicted the president and Left-wing Twitter walked away with the bluest balls in politics, so we'll talk a bit about what happened there. A mysterious explosion showed up in Beirut uh, this past week. Nobody knows what happened with it. There was uh, There's some speculation it might have been an attack. There's some speculation that it might have just been an accident, but we'll discuss what happened with that as well. George Floyd's body cam footage got released, and I have some audio, not video, because Susan Wojcicki said, thou shalt not put that up. And she's actually been monitoring my sock account, too. It's got 17 plays on an account that has zero subscribers. 
and in an unlisted video. It has 17 plays. So we'll see if it's still there when we get to that part. Yes. So we'll see what's going on there. Uh, Minneapolis and Los Angeles have had some talks about how their police are funded. So we'll talk a bit about what's happening with there and some election news going on here. As we teased before, some uh, updates on the bat story. Biden failed his cognitive test live on air, even though it wasn't an official test. And Trump called for an extra debate, so we'll talk about that. We will round out the show today talking about Tommy Lahren and her 15-minute how-to on how to date Tommy Lahren. And I've got some surprise stupidity for you again. I swear I'm not trying, but it just... I do contemporary every day, and I look up and I say, okay, well, this was really stupid. This is going on the show. So it is going to be all and of And we have a special guest. We do have a special guest today. At the middle of the show today, we'll be doing a pre-recorded interview we'll be premiering for you that we had with the wonderful Harvey McLeod. So make sure you stick around for that. And I'll pop the D-Live chest while we're doing that as well. So make sure you stick around for that as well. It is going to be all of this and more over on the Red and Edge show. We are streaming live right now to YouTube, D-Live, Twitch, Periscope, and Facebook. And if you're over on Facebook, get on over to one of the links above you where you can get into the chat because we do read chat between topics. So come on over there and join us. And if you can't catch us live, you can catch us on demand over on BitChute and over on YouTube once it processes or... You can go and catch us on the audio platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or Spotify, not SoundCloud, uh, and Spotify. So go ahead and check us out over on any of those platforms. And if you are over on the iTunes, leave us that five-star rating and a good review that helps us move up the charts, helps us overcome uh, Apple's algorithms, and helps us bring in more audience members. Also, check out our archives over on the Freedom Scoop Media Group, along with great shows like the Freckles and Brit Show, The Generational Gap, who will be on later on tonight, The R-Rated Conservative, who will also be on later on tonight. You can also check out Stephen Ignoramus and The Breakdown with Birkenhoff. All of this at one place, and you can check out some of our swag and help us support great creators. Well, just about ready to get into this. Uh, but you want to check in, uh, see if there's anybody going in the live chat right away? Yeah, let's check in. I don't see anyone. We are all alone. Uh-oh. That's kind of lame. Well, hopefully some more looks people like, will come in and start chatting. It looks like we're we're all signed in and up on our platform, so let's just jump in and see if anybody joins us. All right. And it looks like over on the itinerary that you decided you wanted to take a lead on this one here. So, uh... The first thing we want to talk about is this uh, stimulus executive order that came out of almost absolutely, well, it wasn't completely out of nowhere. They were talking a little bit about it as we went along, but uh, tell us a bit about what happened there. So Congress has not been able to pass a second stimulus package. The Republicans want to spend a certain amount of money. The Democrats want to spend more money. Everybody wants to spend money, but nobody can really decide what that money should be spent on. So Donald Trump just decided he was gonna write an executive order and he was gonna fix everything, which sounds great in theory, right? But it's not exactly constitutional. So what's in this stimulus executive order? It's not even a stimulus package because he just did it unilaterally. Mm -hmm. um, it's one executive order actually and three memoranda and it addresses four categories, jobless aid, evictions, student loans, and social security payroll taxes. So the breakdown for each are currently the jobless aid bonus is $600 a week. 
for un, for people who are filing unemployment. That's being reduced to $400 a week. Um, the states will be asked to cover 25% of the cost and can use federal funds allocated through the CARES Act. So he's basically telling them how to allocate money that they've already set aside mm -hmm. um, in a previous act that was passed. Um, it's He did leave it up to the states how much, if any of it, to fund. So some states are probably going to fund it completely. Some might not fund it at all. It's it's up to them. Mm -hmm. And the deferral of the payroll tax goes through the end of the year. I have seen a lot of people today, annoyingly so, say that they have legislated essentially a pay raise because they won't have FICA taxes taken out of their check. They're completely forgetting that a deferment is not a tax cut. Mm -hmm. So he had bipart he had bipartisan opposition when he pitched that payroll tax cut in March, but he continued to push it, and they still couldn't come to an agreement. So that's how it made it into this executive order plus memoranda that go with it. Also included is deferral of student loans. That is not only principal payments but also interest. No okay. interest will be um, borrows with, borrows with federally held student loans have the option of deferring payments with no penalty. So it sounds like it's something that you have to apply for okay. through the Department of Education. It's not something that they're just going to automatically do. This will be extended through the end of 2020 and, quote unquote, most likely beyond the end of the year. It's also extending eviction moratoriums. So the only executive order, this is the executive order part of it, of this four-part bundle is extending the freeze on evictions. So... Obviously, millions of Americans are having difficulty making rent and mortgage payments. 12 million renters live in federally subsidized apartments or units with federally backed mortgages, and they lost that safety net when the eviction moratorium expired on July 25th. So without those, landlords can initiate eviction proceedings within 30 days. So he's just reinstated that moratorium. So that is the That is the summary of all four of those parts. Like I said, there's only one executive order and then three memoranda attached to it. So especially with the one, the uh, the part of it where he's asking the states to fund things based on what they've already received, that doesn't sound like too terrible of an idea to me. I mean, they've already got the money, but probably already allocated it to other things yeah. so that might create a crunch in some states they may not be able to they may not be able to fund what they would like to fund with it yeah there's a lot to unpack with this it was uh it was a really odd set of circumstances that came out of this because yeah, you know, we've been hearing for the last week and a half the fact that oh congress is almost there they're almost there schumer and nancy went up and they talked with uh mark meadows and Steve Mnuchin, they're almost to a deal. They're almost. And then Nancy comes up and said, well, I'm not going to settle for anything less than $3.7 trillion. So, And honestly, this doesn't, it, it is not the best way to go about it, obviously, but it does cut out a lot of pork. I mean, if we had, if, if Congress had passed something, um, there would have without a doubt been millions upon millions of dollars, even billions potentially of corporate welfare built in. Oh, yeah. This is this is direct federal aid to individuals, to taxpayers. Um, 
And I've said all along that if a government, if the government has already decided that they're going to spend money, and they obviously have because they passed the CARES Act, that the best place you could spend the money is directly to taxpayers. So I like it for that reason. I don't like it for the reason that he just bypassed Congress and is just like, I'm just doing it anyway. Here you go. This is what you're getting. Um, so it's kind of a mixed bag for me. I don't, on principle, I disagree with it. But it is going to provide things that are necessary at this point in time based based on the circumstances that we're in. Well, and that's part of what I was looking at this, too. And, I mean, there was a ton of pork in the Democrat bill that was going to come back and leak into whatever thing that they decided to land on between the two of them. I know uh, McConnell was out there screaming, well, we're, we're going to try and trim this down here. And Pelosi said, I'm not going to budge on anything, which I said on the show this morning that this really reminds me of the, uh, what's the word I'm going for? The uh, the budget shutdown last uh, year. That was the word I was looking for, where oh, Nancy right. Pelosi was mm-hmm. sitting there and essentially holding the government workers hostage to try and get what she wanted up out of this bill. And there were uh, things coming into this bill with signatures not being needed for vo- uh, votes, mail-in voting. There were a lot of things that did not have to have to do anything with relief that were buried in this Democrat bill. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just to get some of this pork done and bypassed. Now, the biggest thing that I have seen this entire weekend going on about uh, the payroll tax cut is the fact that, well, this is how Donald Trump is going to kill Social Security and Medicare. He's going to kill Social Security with this, don't you know? Because that's what funds that. What has uh, been your take and experience with that particular little thorn that's going on in this? I haven't actually seen a lot of people talking about that. I mostly just see people talking about how Donald Trump instituted this tax cut. And a deferment is not a tax cut. You're mm-hmm. still going to owe those taxes, but you're just going to owe them probably next year. Well, yeah, that's what I've been saying, too. It just long. kicked the can down the road. So it didn't. So it provides relief now, but mm-hmm. it's not a permanent solution. It's a temporary solution. Yeah, that's been one of the things that uh, I've been think I've been saying since the first time I heard the words payroll tax cut is this is going to fuck a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This is going yeah. to screw well, a lot of people. Well, because they don't realize that it's not a cut; it's a deferment. Mm-hmm. They will still owe the taxes. So, um, people that might have the ability to set money aside to plan for that deferment. Um, won't because they'll be thinking that it's a permanent tax cut or whatever for this year and then they're going to get hit with this big tax bill next year and they're going to be like what did i do i don't understand i didn't make any more money this year than i did last year and they're going to forget that their w-2 didn't look the same at the end of the year Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and i mean even if you go through because i didn't realize that the payroll tax cut was going to go along with social security and medicare when this was first being talked about, I thought for sure that this was just going to be, you know, you weren't going to have to pay federal income tax throughout the rest of the year, which once again, your W-2 doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm. And now you're yeah, sitting exactly. here wondering what happens at the end of the year when, yes, like you said, these people, especially when they have a bunch of dependents and they're sitting there waiting to get three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 back from the government at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And they're already going to be kicked to the shins for the fact that they're not going to get their their stimulus is going back against the refund from next year. My tax preparer pointed that out to me and explained that to me. Yes. I mean, it won't take you I used negative. to work in a tax office. Yeah. So when people say these kind of things online, I'm like, oh, your CPA is going to break your heart in a few months because <laughs> that's yeah. not how this works. 
Yeah, and that's you have to pay it. They're not just going to not let you not pay taxes. There's no, there's no way. Mm -hmm. So people that have always gotten refunds, suddenly next year they're not going to get a refund for that year, and they're gonna, they're gonna freak out because they're used to getting that fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred back from the government, and they're not going to get it next year, and mm -hmm. it's, it's going to get messy. Yeah, the IRS is, is going to have a field day collecting that money. Yeah, absolutely is. And that's, you know, it's one of the things too that I'm looking at when I'm going into when I'm trying to decide to get into real estate is the fact that yes, I'm going to have to take 30% of everything that I earn, because mm -hmm. it's all pretty much independent contracting at that point and put it up into a bank account, which most people should be doing anyway. Most people should. Yeah. Well, and going back to just some experiences that I've had with other content creators over on YouTube, people that have inspired me here, I've brought up before. I regularly watch uh, the Beauty and the Beta podcast, and they have both been doing YouTube now for three years as their sole only jobs. They're not getting a, a regular taxed income. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how it works with uh, being on the phone banking, but how, uh, how I'm making right now with an hourly wage where it's coming out of my paycheck every year. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't know how what status you're if you're an independent contractor or what it is. So I can't yeah, speculate on any of that. For the campaign, I'm an independent contractor. I'm also an independent contractor for the text banking company that I used to work for. Mm -hmm. um, I just went ahead and terminated that contract, so there would never be any um, any question of conflicting loyalties or anything like that. Right. Um, and I can do that because I, you know, help the owner build the business. So yeah. I'll just go back under contract when the campaign's over and start working again. But I've been a contractor um, with the exception of a few months last year. I've been a contractor since 2018. Mm -hmm. So I've had to file taxes um, in that status ever since then. Well, that's going to be the thing too, because I remember um, it was tax time two years ago when the two of them were talking about it. And it was right after Matt had written the check for the taxes on here. And he pretty much came out on the screen and said, well, I just wrote the check here and I had my own personal Me Too uh, movement from the government. And he pointed out the same idea that went along with this. And that is the fact that, uh, you know, if everybody had to go and pay in at the end of the year, instead of having it taken out throughout the year, you would start seeing the tax code change in a hurry. Absolutely. And I really think that if a lot of people are going to have to start paying in at the end of the year because they're not getting payroll tax taken out, they're getting this all this money back and they're losing their refunds, mm -hmm. then we're going to start seeing some major tax changes as well, some major tax cuts and some demands for some major tax cuts. Do you, think there's, a, do you think there's a 4D chess angle that goes along with this? Do I think there's a what? A 4D chess angle that goes along with this. Well, so the, 4, the 4D chess angle is he gave the Democrats what they wanted mm -hmm. without all the pork. So if they challenge him on it, the argument is going to be that they they have to challenge him on constitutional grounds mm -hmm. because I am not entirely sure that this is constitutional. But if they if they challenge him, they put themselves in the position of depriving people who need help the help. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is going to fire up the Republican base. And. But if they don't, if they let it slide and they do nothing then suddenly this is a, this is established as a precedent mm -hmm. and any president can do it. So the next president could do it. He could do it again in a second term if he wins a second term. Um, and that's not a good position to be in either. 
Yeah, no, I completely understand that as well. But one of the things that so I So he's have... deliberately put them in a pickle, supposedly. <laughs> um, and those are their options. And neither one of them is a good option. Honestly, going into an election, neither neither one of those things is a good option. Well, it's been one of the things that I've actually kind of enjoyed about this presidency out of all the bad things that's co- that have come out of it. One of the things that I've enjoyed is the fact that there's a lot of things that were in gray area in the government that are going over to the Supreme Court and becoming black or white. Mm-hmm. He sits back and he challenges everything else that goes along with that, and they go and look into it. They try and figure it out. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's in the worst possible way to do it, but they go and look at it's it. Also, it's also really going to show you who the real constitutional conservatives in the Senate and the House are. Because the Republicans that are constitutional conservatives are going to have to pick a side. Wait, we have constitutional they, they conservatives? Supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't checked to see if Rand Paul has any thoughts about this. Um, I know Justin Amash was not happy. And he's been on a Twitter rampage for the last week, which is phenomenal. I oh, love tell it me a little bit about that. <laughs> he's just like dropping truth bombs day after day about how corrupt um, the, of the systemic issues that exist within government, within the bureaucracy, like lobbyists that tell you, we'll raise all the money that you need to get yourself on the Ways and Means Committee. Mm-hmm. Because committee positions actually cost money. Hmm. You can't just be elected to office and say, I would like to serve on that committee. And the committee looks at it and says, oh, yeah, you'd be great for this. Here's a job. No, you have to raise the money to earn a seat on that committee. Wow, that sounds corrupt as hell. Exactly. But that is exactly how this works. So it's not just elections that affect that. It's just the nature of how government, how the sausage is made, if you will. Yeah. Um, there's a great documentary right now on, I think it's HBO, it's called The Swamp. It was previously on Facebook. You could watch it on Facebook. I watched several of the episodes. Um, Thomas Massey's in it. Ken Buck from Colorado is in it. Justin makes an appearance a couple of times. I think maybe even Rand Paul does. I'm not sure if they expanded it for HBO, but it's out there now. And it talks about a lot of the issues that Justin has been tweeting about over this last week about raising money to to uh, pay for committee positions and, legis- and legislative assistance walking up to you with your quote unquote bill that you owe the party because you haven't been bringing in enough fundraising. Um, they'll walk up to you on the floor and hand you a piece of paper that has you know your bill on it. And it's a it's a way that they intimidate you into voting with the party line because they're saying, you owe us money. We'll take you off all of your committees if you don't raise this money. So if you refuse to play the game, they essentially lock you out of the government of doing the business of government. And they could do that. It's completely legal. Hmm. It's an interesting to see thing to see. But we uh, also see where it has taken the Congress in at this point and the fact of the matter is is we have to sit back and watch the president act unilaterally because they're sitting back here and screeching about this left and right Mm -hmm. yeah so it's not just the parties or the partisanship that is you know wrecking the ability of congress to actually pass bills and you know do do what they should do the business of government every day um it's literally the rules of congress that are preventing it and it's it's a problem that the body of Congress has created for itself. 
right, we gotta. So definitely recommend checking that out. Um, if it's no longer on Facebook, you can find it on HBO. It's called The Swamp. Um, Thomas Massey, I think, has referenced it a couple of times um, in the last week on his Twitter account, and I think Justin might ha- might have as well. So it's it should be pretty easy to find. Oh, we got to keep moving on down the road here. We got uh, yeah, we still do. a bunch to get to. Uh, the other executive order that didn't actually happen but is being teased, uh, reading from the Hill he- uh, here, Trump teases order uh, requiring insurers to cover pre-existing conditions. So over the next two weeks, I'll oh, be yeah, pursuing. Uh, so what happened with this this week? Uh, they've been talking about it. Uh, it just sort of showed up. Towards the end of the week, that Trump is going to put an executive order in place to cover pre-existing conditions on uh, any kind of insurance that you were to go out and buy. And a lot of left-wing Twitter popped up and said, hey, this is already done by the ACA, so why don't we just keep the ACA and uh, just keep it up that way, keep the status quo that way. But I read into this a little bit more, and I think I kind of figured out where he's going with this. Uh, Sticks talked about this a while ago on one of his morning videos, and he pointed out the fact that under insurance, if we could get the government out of the way, just get the ACA out of the way, and yeah, like uh, Trump did, or like Congress should have done, just put an executive order or a law in place that insurers have to cover pre-existing conditions, that would fix a lot of the problems that the ACA brought forward. Uh, What's your take on uh, pre-existing conditions and the ACA as they stand and where they could go from this? Um, on the one hand, insurance companies are private businesses mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, I'm sure that they benefit from a lot of legislation because of lobbying and things like that. If, if we were a truly free market, then there would always be an insurance company that would see the benefit of covering, of covering pre-existing conditions because those people typically have to pay higher premiums. Um, but we don't have a free market. So in a way, I understand why we have the, the need currently to have something like this in place so that people do not go uncovered by insurance. Um, but it's obviously not ideal. Well, one of the things that I've thought about since the fact that the pre-existing condition came out was what this could do for job mobility. Now, I don't like government intervention in a lot of things because of... Uh, just the way that it is. And yes, I would like to see a more free market approach, but I do understand the fact that, you know, yes, there are going to be different uh, insurance companies that do capitalize on the fact that people can't get insurance uh, anywhere else. But for the most part, people were getting insurance through their jobs in most places. Yeah, and I think that we should, I think we should do away with employer mandated insurance because it forces people to stay in jobs that they're number one, not happy with mm-hmm. and number two, that may not pay them very well. So you limit people's mobility. Um, you limit people's job mobility that way. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's right. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> that was funny. I try to adjust one thing and my whole like system falls apart. I think we're good now. <laughs> Um, so I think we should do away with that and go back to, if you want to buy insurance somewhere, then you can. That's right. I, I was, I see what uh, pumpkin prolapse is saying there. And I was going to bring that up at the top of the show. It's like breaking as we're getting ready to go live, but, uh, really? somebody, somebody took a shot at the, uh, or 
it wasn't what prolapse is saying but uh okay while they I were was having, like, but it's, it's like, he's not far really off either so apparently there was uh gunshots heard outside the white house so in the middle of the press conference the secret service came running in and whisked him away to the bunker like 10 minutes before i hit the uh, uh zoom call button yeah, it says, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it because it's it's right up here on uh, top news on Google. Mm-hmm. Trump abruptly escorted out of White House press briefing returns to say there was a shooting outside. Let's see if I can get some more detail here. President said it seems an armed person was shot by Secret Service and had been taken to the hospital. Trump said no one else was injured. It seems the shooting was done by law enforcement, he said. Okay. Interesting. Several minutes after initially taking the podium, someone who appeared to be a Secret Service agent told the president shots had been fired outside before Trump stopped and walked out of the room. And then, yes, as Harvey pointed out, yes, he went right back to the conference. Interesting. I went right back to the conference. The gunshots When a reporter asked him, are you rattled by this at all? Trump replied, do I seem rattled? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. That's almost as good as Ronald Reagan's response to the popping balloon. Do you remember that story? Have you seen that clip? It has been a while. I know what you're talking about. I just, I can't remember it clearly. So if anyone hasn't seen it, it's great. It's, um, oh my gosh. So Ronald Reagan obviously had an assassination attempt on Mm -hmm. his life. Someone tried to shoot at him and it was stopped. Uh, I don't think he was injured at all, um, or but maybe he was, uh, but he obviously survived. Yeah. And a few weeks later or something like that at a speech outside a balloon popped and it sounded of course like a gunshot because Mm -hmm. it it had that same popping sound and he like briefly paused in his speech and then he said miss me and he just kept going (laughs) so this was almost that good over the next two weeks i'll be pursuing a autoplay again the hell it's great they love to autoplay everything so yeah. yeah, that is uh that is breaking here. I will probably be talking about that in the morning. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that next week when we have some more information. But uh, yeah, happy to bring you breaking news. <laughs> anyway, I do want to go back on just the discussion that we were having with uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act and pre-existing conditions. Now, and mm-hmm. that's you're going down the same road that I was going when I was. You are going out of the get employers out of it, but. Either way, I mean, that was an incentive because then you don't have to pay employees as much if you can get them good health care. Hell, I work where I work now because the, because of the health care. Because it was like 10 times better than the health care of the place that I was working. They paid right. me the same amount, but they gave me eons and infinite amounts better health care to go and work there. But one of the things that came along with the pre-existing condition, if there was no pre-existing condition in place and you were working for a place... And you didn't like it and you wanted to move on, but God forbid you get cancer or something while you're working there. You were kind of stuck there and the employers knew that because, you know, once you're mm-hmm. out there and trying to get insurance somewhere new with a pre-existing condition, you were screwed. Right. So it was either yeah. stay there and deal with your boss or go out into the world and hope for the best and paying for your cancer treatment out of pocket. Yeah. And it... Uh... My dad went through that last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he had cancer and had to go through treatment. And thankfully, he had TRICARE because he was in the National Guard for, gosh, 25 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he hadn't have been, I don't I don't even know what the financial situation would have been. It, it, 
it really freaked my mom out. I will say that. So, um, yeah, I mean, paying for catastrophic care is expensive because it's catastrophic care. Mm-hmm. Um, things like cancer, emergency surgeries for lots of different reasons. Um, in, in some ways, the, the thing that gets me is that as time goes on, we innovate more um, solutions for healthcare. Gallbladder surgery is now not that not that big of a deal. It used to be a big deal. It used to keep you in the hospital for two or three days. Um, you were sick for days afterwards, things like that. Now they can go in and take your gallbladder out and it's like outpatient. Like you're done in a day and you go home and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got laser technology now that we didn't have 20 years ago. And, you know, it, just things are getting more and more efficient and healthcare is getting better overall. Um, our methods of treatment are getting better at least. And you would think that that would mean that they were getting cheaper. Like LASIK, for example, LASIK has gotten cheaper over the last 25, 30 years because it's innovated Mm -hmm. over time. And LASIK is considered elective surgery, obviously, and it's not covered by insurance unless you're like legally blind and you have it to, you know, stop that process, things like that. Mm -hmm. There are very few cases where it's, um, it's not, uh, it, it is medically necessary, but, uh, it has allowed it to get cheaper and cheaper and it's kind of reached a, a, a plateau now for the last maybe five years, but for a while it was like incredibly expensive. And now it's not, it's like at least cut the price in half because that is truly free market. Mm-hmm. You know, insurance doesn't cover it. So it's out there and people are competing to have the best LASIK technology with the lowest price. And what's happened? It's gotten cheaper. Well, Why yeah, can't that's... we replicate that with everything else? Well, that's just and it's, it. And, it's, and it's it's not entirely the fault of the insurance companies. It's also partially at the fault of the government. Mm-hmm. But these things just all come together and create this perfect storm of situations that make our healthcare more and more expensive as the years go, go on. I used to work in healthcare. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I processed claims for blue cross blue shield. And I remember what the average deductible was for an individual and a family mm-hmm. individuals like $1,500 families were like 3,500, 4,000. Mm-hmm. You're lucky to get an individual deductible. That's only $4,000 now. Yeah. And that started immediately after the ACA was passed. So if this goes into place and this executive order comes, is this going to be the next step on dismantling the ACA? Could could we actually see this go away? Because that was one of the big campaign promises. I don't know if we could see it before the election time, but if, I don't know. What do you think on that? Say that again. So... If this EO goes through, that's the second EO that's uh, gone against the ACA. First is the uh, individual mandate being brought to zero, and the second one will be regular insurance covering pre-existing conditions. Could this be another step to see the ACA go away? And could it actually happen before election time? Because I know that was a campaign promise right from the beginning. Potentially. It seems like he's vetoing the parts of the ACA that Republicans typically don't like, but he's doing it like by line item, like one at a time. And I think that there's a method to that madness. I think it's to keep the Democrats from getting too upset and just like losing their minds Mm -hmm. and trying to impeach him again or something like that, challenging him constitutionally. Um, So I think what he's doing is like he's going in and surgically 
cutting things out. Right. And I don't know if that, I don't know that that's going to really make it better. Um, it's once that cost has gone up, I just don't see it going down. Yeah, that's completely Once they know they can collect that much money, I just, I don't see them going, I don't see them pedaling back. I do and I don't, because if the ACA is out and you don't have to have insurance anymore, I can see a point, well, you don't really have to have it anymore anyway, but I can see a world where insurance companies realize, okay, we're going to have to bring these prices down or nobody's going to buy our shitty product anymore. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it, it could go either way on this, and I don't know if it'll work. It's a wait and see game for sure. All right, let's keep going. Let's move on. We've we're almost an hour in, and we've covered two topics. <laughs> All right, three if you count our breaking news. All right, and the last one here is after finally te- or after teasing it for weeks and weeks and weeks, the executive order was signed this week. Trump issues order banning U.S. companies from transacting with TikTok parent company ByteDance. Uh, This comes to us courtesy of the New York Post. President Trump on Thursday signed an executive order banning transactions beginning in 45 days between U.S. companies and the Chinese parent company of social media app TikTok. So, yeah, he finally came out and did it. So, yeah, if if you're doing anything, if you're working with ByteDance or anything, uh, you're in trouble here, which is going to put a big damper on TikTok being used in the world. And from what I understand out of this and from doing a little bit more independent research into this outside of the New York Post, this means that TikTok will no longer be able to be offered on the Google Play Store or iTunes mm-hmm. or Amazon, Alexa, or anything else that you would use for any of this here, Windows Store, anything like that. Right. Yeah, I actually saw um, the person that used to live in this apartment apparently got the Wall Street Journal because I have like... I don't know, eight of them outside the front door right now that I've just, I keep kicking them inside every morning, but I haven't read any of them. Um, I did happen to see one of the headlines on one of the papers was that TikTok is in the process of making a deal with Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been something they've been talking about for a while, which scares me even more because Bill Gates has got a vested interest in not having a... Having a spy app. That sounds fun. Yeah, so I don't know how I feel about any of that there. But, yeah, it looks like at this point, if uh, they don't sell out there, then they're not going to be able to be offered on anything. Yeah. It was funny when you said um, Alexa earlier. Mm-hmm. My Alexa lit up. <laughs> I wouldn't have one of those. It was like, ooh, me? <laughs> it, it belongs to my roommate. I only use it to set the timer for my whitening strips for my teeth and listen to music. That's it. I will I will unplug it completely <laughs> if I'm not using it. You could probably use it to listen to Contemporary. I bet you could find it on there with our new Spotify uh, availability. I bet you could find it. Maybe. I'll have to try that I'm out not at some point it right later. Now, though. I could yell at her and ask, but I'm not <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> so, yes, this is going to put a damper on the lives of several teenage children who understand what TikTok is, which I still don't. But I'm 36, and hell, I didn't know what Vine was. I still don't know what Vine is. <laughs> I loved Vine. Vine was great. 
according to the New York Post, uh, ByteDance fails to reach a deal with Microsoft or another U.S. company by September 15th. The president order goes into effect on September 20th and says that any American company who violates it could face uh, sanctions. So, yeah, he's really serious about this. And I don't know if this is because it is indeed Chinese spying or if it is the other theory going around that he got his little feelings hurt because of his, uh, because of his rally. I don't know. I still think it's partially that. I really do. I think he didn't, he didn't need more of an excuse, but that just handed him one. So that's what I have on that one. If you don't have anything to add here, we're going to go on and talk about one of the other big news stories of the week that came in out of this that everybody thought was going to be the, it's going to be the end for Trump. I saw this all over the place on Thursday morning because I get up and look at the news for contemporary before, long before she would have been doing this. And yes, this was all that Twitter was speculating. They have a charge. Deutsche Bank turned over the records. They have a charge. They're going to get rid of them. They're going to Washington, D.C. with handcuffs and a SWAT team. And instead, we got this. I'm joined here this morning by the chief of the Charities Bureau, Jim Sheehan, and the co-chief of the enforcement section, Emily Stern. Just a few minutes ago, my office filed a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association to dissolve the organization in its entirety for years of self-dealing and illegal conduct that violate New York's Charities Law and undermine its own mission. The National Rifle Association, or the NRA, is the largest and most influential pro-gun organization in the nation. Since its founding in 1871, the NRA has been a registered not-for-profit charitable corporation in the state of New York. The Attorney General's office has a wide range of regulatory and enforcement powers over charitable corporations and their trustees, including the NRA. The NRA's influence has been so powerful that the organization went unchecked for decades, while top executives funneled millions into their own pockets. For years, the NRA diverted millions and millions of dollars away from its charitable mission for personal use by senior leadership to award contracts to the financial gain of close associates and family and appeared to dole out lucrative no-show contracts to former employees in order to buy their silence and continued loyalty. This lawsuit specifically charges the NRA as a whole in addition to four individual defendants. So that's what I had on that. And I mean, if you look into this, going a little bit deeper into this story uh, from Fox News. Well, okay, mm -hmm. this is uh, going on a little bit oh, from NPR. That was the one I was looking for. Uh, going on a little bit more on this, the Attorney General of New York took action Thursday to dissolve the National Rifle Association following an 18-month investigation that found the evidence that the powerful gun rights group is fraught with fraud and abuse. Now, I think that this was political right from the beginning. I don't think that there's any basis to what's going on here. This is just looking to find a way to get a lobbying group for 
the GOP dropped out right before an election and put under an investigation for an election so that they are busy paying off these fines instead of funneling money into various GOP candidates. But what did you see on this one? So much. Um, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if it's true, really. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've, I've never been a huge fan of the NRA. I mean, they're all right. But uh, there are other organizations, I think, that accomplish the same mission that the NRA supposedly has. And I think that they do it better with less money than the NRA does. And the NRA is like the top brand of it's like the Nike of two A groups. Mm-hmm. But I just I just don't think that they're functioning well anymore. I think that they've they've had so many issues in the last several years. Um namely supporting candidates that, you know, favor things like red flag laws and things like that. Um, I mean, Donald Trump is not exactly the most pro-gun candidate out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither neither are some of the other candidates that they have picked to back. Um, I think Dan Crenshaw is another one. He's in favor of red flag orders. And I think that really hurts their reputation. And I think they've been steadily shrinking over time. And their influence has been shrinking, mostly. I don't think I don't know that their membership is really shrinking, but uh, I think their influence is. I think they are kind of waning. In general. Well, that's been one of the big problems is with the gun owners association coming out here and kind of filling some of the void with the NRA. The NRA has been having problem for a while, because mm-hmm. they don't, like you said, they don't really stand for the Second Amendment the way that they come out and claim that they do they were in favor of the bump stock ban the red flag laws and i think they're just taking at this point and this is just speculation for me that they're just taking cases that they know they can make money off of mm-hmm. yeah i think that too they want to back flashy candidates that uh bring them notoriety and fame and whatever i mean it's a self-serving interest basically but um yeah I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm already... sure that they're going to count. I'm sure they'll probably counter sue and say it's discrimination or something like that. But uh, well, well, they already have actually, uh, according to Fox News, the other article that I have up here, NRA fights back, files its own suit against New York Attorney General seeking to disband the organization. Just reading briefly. Oh, I missed from this. that one. It looked like it was attached to the one above it, so I thought it was all one link. Just reading briefly from this one here, the NRA is fighting back against the lawsuit filed Thursday by New York uh, Attorney General by submitting its own civil suit against the state official, accusing her of defamation and violating its rights to free speech. The NRA's lawsuit was filed in the federal court of New York and alleges Attorney General Letitia James made the political prosecution of the NRA a central campaign theme, which she actually did, when she was running for the AG's office in 2018 and has not treated the association rather fairly since. One of the big problems that I have with the NRA and the fact that they're coming out and doing this right now is the fact that, yes, they were started in New York back when New York was a much more conservative place, but seeing the writing on the walls, why in God's name, if you were really serious about the Second Amendment, would you stay in New York State? That's what I said, too. I was like, um, I mean, registering in New York seems like a bad idea to begin with, and Mm -hmm. if you've been... I didn't realize, I guess, that they had been around for that long, but it's like, it's like you said, the writing's been on the wall for at least 50 years in New York. Why wouldn't you at some point just say, you know, let's move, you know, I mean, their headquarters are located in Virginia and up until 
the last year, Virginia has been really pro gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, why wouldn't you 50 years ago, move your NGO status to Virginia? Yeah, I couldn't. Somewhere else, I don't know. I couldn't even begin to understand that. And that was one of the things that I said right from the beginning off of this. As soon as I saw this whole thing go down, was okay. When does the bidding war start? Right. Yeah. For who's going to pick up? Texas the... is going to want. But that's the other thing. It's like they're so unpopular right now. I don't know what state would want them. Texas, I mean, like I said, the headquarters is already located in Virginia, mm-hmm. and Virginia does not want them there anymore. Uh, Virginia is trying to kick them out. They don't want, they don't want their headquarters there. And I don't know that they would be welcomed in a place like Texas because they are not pro gun enough mm-hmm. for Texas. Um, Tennessee might take them maybe, but I think even people in Tennessee prefer gun owners of America yeah. over, um, over them. Maybe Georgia, Georgia might take the NRA, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. They definitely have to move out of the area that they're in now because the the tides are changing and that area of the country is no longer um, pro-gun. They just aren't. I would love to see what happens with that. Like I said, I think that it would go to someplace big and fly over like Wyoming. Someplace where nobody's going to mess with really, They'd have a really hard time getting people to move out there, though, to work there. If they were going to also move their headquarters out there. Oh, that just tells me that they're really not that serious about the cause, which I think we've known for a long time. Yeah, they really aren't. They 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 talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. All right. If they did, they'd be backing libertarians. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. All right. That's all that I have on this one here. Tell me about this explosion, and then we'll hit the chat one more time and go into our interview for the night. All right. Um get this opened up real quick i've got a picture to put up on the screen while you're doing that and there's a very interesting development that happened today that has to do with this which i will get to as soon as i read you guys the summary so uh, beirut was declared a disaster city by authorities on wednesday in the wake of a huge explosion in the port of the lebanese capital that left 135 people dead and 5,000 injured that number is still going up Mm -hmm. day to day i've seen 176 i think dead now um the article acknowledges that that's expected to climb amid ongoing search and rescue efforts uh, many people are still missing and 300,000 have been displaced from their homes the city's emergency services were already under strain due to the COVID-19 pandemic and have been operating at decreased capacity after four hospitals were damaged the shockwave damaged buildings up to six miles away um, it was caused by a warehouse, a warehouse, warehouse, good lord, <laughs> a warehouse storing thousands of tons of an unsecured and volatile chemical compound. Um, that is what they are considering at this point the source of the blast. It's not clear what ignited, what ignited it, but um, questions have swirled over whether authorities had failed to act on warning signs. The prime minister said that 2,750 metric tons of ammonium nitrate, typically used as an agricultural fertilizer, had been stored for six years at that warehouse without safety measures, endangering the safety of the citizens. And today, the entire Lebanese government resigned, citing corruption and lack of transparency. So they will be having a new election very soon. 
you imagine that happening in the United States? Like just the whole government just just saying, you're right, we're corrupt, we quit. That's the dream, isn't it? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I would live for that. <laughs> so, and there are a lot of things that are going on. The mainstream news hasn't covered the fact that uh, Lebanon has actually been in a pretty big state of flux and corruption for a long time. And then this suddenly shows up and people are paying attention to Lebanon. And I do think that there, there are two things that are linked here. That, yes, we can look at this and see the fact that, okay, well, here's what we have going on. You're looking at us now. We've got to do something, and we've all got to sit back and resign. But, I mean, it looked like there was a, they were close to a revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the protests have only gotten worse. So uh, the prime minister announced today that the Lebanese government has resigned hours after the cabinet announced its resignation. So all of the cabinet members resigned, and then the prime minister resigned as well. Now, I've got to ask the question that's been going around since the moment that this blast took place. Was this an accident or an attack? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. Because that has been some... I. I know people said that this was a nuclear weapon. The R.A.D. conservative went off on a long tirade on Friday about this and brought up the fact that, yes, this was most likely some sort of an attack, something that was going on, and somebody that came up out of this. Uh, this wasn't a fire or anything, but looking at the mushroom cloud, you see a lot of steam there, too. So, And this did happen right over the water. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it did. The have you seen thing- the before and after picture? The before and after picture is stunning. I, I mean, have. it's just, wow. There's literally a crater. Mm-hmm. where that building stood well and the fact of the matter is you have 27,000 or 2,700 pounds rather or 2,700 would have been devastating like on a scale that is unimaginable to me <laughs> 27,000 well let me rephrase that 2,700 tons right but 27,000 tons would have been just yeah nuts. yeah there wouldn't be a Lebanon anymore for 27,000 but Beirut certainly wouldn't exist why would you keep 2,700 tons next to a city like that, though? Yeah, so on the 4th, Trump says that his generals felt Beirut blast was likely an attack. Mm-hmm. Um, this article that you posted from the Associated Press has not been updated since then. In, I mean, if they're in such a state of... Uh upheaval and they're protesting the way they are i can see the writing on the wall and could see where this could definitely be some sort of attack maybe something that went completely wrong like maybe they went to go blow up the fireworks factory and then it just moved over into there because this was right next to a fireworks factory of course it was on top of all of that right there are way too many coincidences for this yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait for the results of an investigation. And who knows if that's actually going to even be accurate. I mean, we can only go by what people tell us. Mm-hmm. And if they're not telling you the truth, then you're kind of out of luck. Unless you're unless you are the type of person that has an expertise and can go over there and, you know, figure it out for yourself. I don't think there's enough evidence left for anybody with expertise. Exactly. Because exactly. a, a blast like know, that wiped out a lot of the evidence. Be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I saw a, uh, I saw a clip of the moment that it exploded from a photographer that was filming and doing photography for a wedding. They were 
photographing in the city when it happened and his whole rig shakes and he runs and the bride and the groom run and it was it was wild it looked it, it looked like an earthquake from their perspective um and then all of a sudden you could see the dust kind of coming over the over the buildings and and things like that so uh i think they i think they were all okay but uh yeah it was it was crazy to see it you know from the ground level well, that's what I have on this here until more information comes out, if we ever get any more information out of this. But uh, I think we should move on and uh, do our interview here. But why don't you catch us up with the live chat here while I get all of that set up? Sure. We finally have some guests. Pumpkin <laughs> is here. Obviously, we mentioned him or her earlier. I don't know if it's a him or her yeah. or something else. Uh, Michael Vega. Hi, Michael. Uh, I don't know if he's a, a repeat yeah, I know Washington who Vega is. That's his uh, first time here. When I take the mic downs for the uh, mics down for the interview, I'll tell you who that is because I know who that is. Okay. That's what you call in the failed state a uh, game a pro gamer move. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Probably having something to do with the explosion out of here to make sure that all the evidence is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for checking in with us, Vega here. All right, we have an interview. This is the first time that we've done this on this show, but we had we had a nice sit-down with uh, Harvey McLeod this past week. This past weekend, actually, we did this on Saturday to talk about DACA because DACA had been in the news left and right, and Harvey and I actually sat down and had a short conversation about this last weekend, and that's where we decided to come out and do this. So she, uh, Harvey is... Uh, Immigration paralegal. She knows a little bit of the system. DACA wasn't her specialty, but she was able to go and find some information for us. And we had a really, really good conversation with her. I'm glad that she took the time to share this with us. So we are going to go and check that out here. So hang tight with us. This was pre-recorded. We will be back with you as soon as the interview is over. And we'll see you in a bit. All right, and we are back. We're coming in, and uh, we decided this past, or the weekend before last, that we needed to have a little bit of an interview with everything that was having uh, going on with DACA this past week. So I decided to reach out to my friend Harvey McLeod, who actually does some work in immigration law, to see if she could answer some questions that we had about it. Harvey, before we get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you, uh, a little bit about your background, and what you do for fun and how we met. <laughs> well, you met me by doing one of my hobbies while well, I was doing one of my hobbies. That was uh, Twitch, and uh, you came by while I was playing Fallout New Vegas, which was a fabulous experience. I loved every minute of it, and I lived in Las Vegas at the time, so definitely so a lot of fun. But uh, currently right now I work in immigration law. Uh, I work out of Silicon Valley, and I have for the past six years. And um, I, I've done all sorts of uh, non-immigrant visa types. I've even done a little bit of the green card process. And um, uh, whenever I'm not, you know, having all my time taken up with work, if, if I have some time to myself, I like to play my video games. I like to play the piano. I like to spend time with my wonderful husband. <laughs> and I love to cook. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about it. And was... laundry. I love doing laundry. <laughs> you know I do because I do it all the time. How is uh, the lockdown situation over by you? You know, it's, it's, it, it's, I hate to say it because I'm just adjusting to it. You know, I'm just letting the reality set in, which is okay because that means it doesn't upset me. 
Um, last night, my husband and I went to Mountain View. We went to one of our favorite restaurants for the first time since the lockdown, um, and we ate outside. And I got to say, the way they have it set up out here is they actually shut off the streets in the town so people can set up their tables for outdoor seating. And it's actually kind of nice. I don't really mind it at all, you know, because you don't have to sit outside with cars driving by and distracting you because the roads are blocked up. It's, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. And uh, just for those of you uh, in the audience that don't know, you are in the Bay Area, correct? Yes, Silicon okay. Valley, in the heart. I don't know enough about California to know where Silicon Valley is. For whatever reason, I thought it was in Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's south of San Francisco. All right, well, we're going to get down to the brass tacks of what we uh, asked you in here for. So before we get uh, into the questions that we have here, can you just give the audience a very brief layman's overview of what the DACA program is from uh, your knowledge well, it, and your experience with it? Well, it's the it stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And um, it, it's a to qualify for DACA, it's, you have to meet a lot of requirements. You have to have been brought in before the age of 16. You can't have committed a crime. Um, you know, it, it, it is a pretty good standard, you know, if Trump wants to say they're not bringing their best, like, okay, but the people that qualify for DACA are people that, you know, are, are not causing trouble, are just kind of here, you know. Uh, they were brought here by their parents. And so for all intents and purposes, the United States is their home. It's the only home they've, they've known. Um, so what DACA did was it, it basically kicks the can down the road. Uh, it gives um, these childhood arrivals a sort of status. It, it, it puts them in a status where they're not here, quote unquote, illegally. So it gives them a chance to stay here for two more years. And, um, you know, and, and that's pretty much it. It's just a deferred action. It's just so the United States can't uh, just throw them out, you know, and just be done with it. So now, that's what it means. I know I asked you this uh, off mic when we were discussing when it was time for you to come in here and do this. Uh, so this is kind of like uh, Schrodinger's immigration status, which I mean, at the time, I also had to explain to you what Schrodinger's cat was. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> would, uh, would that be a, kind of an accurate uh, assessment of what this is? It, yeah, it's like it's a status, but it's not really a status. It's just you have some sort of defense so you won't be put through removal proceedings. Okay. Do you have a question at all, or? Uh, no, I don't actually. I've, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with um, DACA. I didn't get a chance to tell Harvey this before we came on air, but I used to work with an immigration law firm doing their finances and their books. So oh. I had a lot of contact with the lawyers and um, things like that. And actually one of the attorneys that worked there was in the process of getting his green card and getting his family, you know, his children and mm -hmm. everything through the process. So. Um, we kind of always kept tabs on him just kind of as a professional courtesy, you know, just like asking how things are going and stuff like that. So I kind of learned about it secondhand through that process as well. And I do remember it took a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the big things that uh, I actually think that brought this up to my attention to the fact that you might be the person to ask about this is the fact that you were commenting on something in my Discord server uh, one of the articles I was talking about, about deferred action itself and the fact that these people have had the time to do this. Now, I, you and I talked about this off mic, so I kind of know a bit about what your answer is, but just given what the mainstream media has told us, I mean, 
for the most part, your CNNs, your MSNBCs, your even your Foxes will come out and say, well, they have to stay in the program, otherwise they're going to deport, get deported out of the country. But is there a path that they can use from DACA to get their citizenship? It was explained to me, the reason I asked this is, it was explained to me the fact that they didn't have any records from their home country or anything that they could use for the program. So that's part of the reason I'm curious about this. Is there a path that they can go down to get into the citizenship program? Through DACA, no. You can't use DACA as a stepping stone to apply for the adjustment of status. And that adjustment of status is the green card. That's And that's the road to citizenship. So you get your green card, you have that for five years, you're a lawful permanent resident, and then after five years, you can apply for citizenship. So citizenship is just, it's way down the, <laughs> the line. But no, you can't, um, you cannot, through DACA, start that process okay. to to ultimately get to citizenship, you would have to do it through another means. So, um, what options, the most, what, what options are those? So the most popular option is the oh so famous one. You marry a United States citizen. And if you can marry a citizen and apply for your conditional green card that way, you have to leave the United States and you have to re-enter in order to activate your citizenship status or something like that. Uh, it does involve you leaving the country and re-entering in a new status. And that's something that you do in the non-immigrant uh, realm as well. Sometimes you have to leave the states and come back. Mm -hmm. But um, that's one of them. Another way would possibly be find a company to work for that might be able to sponsor you uh, by way of employment or through um, a STEM degree. You know, because I, as I understand it, a, few, a lot of these docket people um, are going for higher STEM degrees. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with those qualifications, you're a skilled worker. I mean, the companies would be falling all over themselves to get you to work for them, especially when STEM degrees are such an all time low through United States citizens. A lot of them are getting liberal arts degrees. Mm -hmm. So that's another way. They can also possibly talk to their consulate uh, and ask them, is there some sort of way that I could get my records back? Like, to help me get through this path of citizenship, but it's it's very muddy because DACA is not something that has ever been implemented before. It, it really is a, a very generous thing the United States does. No other country really does that. Um, that's, that recognizes, okay, this is your circumstance that was beyond your control and we're throwing you a bone here. And actually what Trump is trying to do is throw the Democrats a bone. He's saying, let's look for new ways to bring these people to citizenship and they don't seem to want to work with him. Okay. So, you know, there's those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head that they can move forward to get ultimately to citizenship. But, you know, they don't even have to go straight towards citizenship, at least find some sort of legal status, a legitimate legal status that they can use to stay in here for as long as they need until they can find another pathway to citizenship. Okay. Now, when you were mentioning uh, company sponsoring, is that uh, is that involved in the H-1B process at all or? Yes, so uh, to apply for an H-1B, uh, you need to file with the United States Citizens and Immigration Services or USCIS. It used to be called INS. It's USCIS and you have to pay a filing fee of $460 and if you have uh, if you work for a company with 15 or more employees, you have to pay a $1,500 filing fee for H-1B training. And then you have to pay an anti-fraud fee of $500. So already out of the gate, you're paying over almost 2,500 bucks. And um, since that's such a laborious process to do, a lot of companies hire out, 
you know, immigration law firms to do it for them because they have such a massive amount of employees that are on some sort of immigrant program and they need people to represent them. And so <clears throat> we charge about 1500 to $2,000 for each one of those. So a company sponsoring somebody is paying a crap ton of money just to keep them here, you know, so they get them on board and to keep them here. It's, it's very expensive. And it actually used to be a lot more expensive back in like the seventies and the eighties, but the process was a lot shorter. So it cost more money, but it was a lot shorter. So the opportunities for a non-skilled worker to get citizenship, going from DACA to getting citizenship, it's very difficult, correct? Yes, it will be very difficult. Uh, Non-skilled workers, um, there is a very long waiting list. Mm -hmm. So the way that uh, uh, USCIS does it, the government does it, each year they put out a certain number of visas, like immigrant visas, the ones that you need to get on your path. It's, it's a lottery, as I understand it, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not, H-1B is a lottery, and okay. that's one path to get it. Um, but no, uh, USCIS doles out a certain number of visas that they will give to people. So they'll say, okay, so for this tier, we're giving out this many, for this tier, we're giving out this many. And so in the tiers, there is your first preference, second preference, third preference. So for immigration uh, employment base, so based on your skill, the top tier are like the managers, the outstanding researchers or extraordinary ability. Like those are reserved for like top tier people, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, athletes and, and star, movie stars or what have you, uh, CEOs, executives. And then your second tier is going to be your skilled workers, like uh, master's degrees or have lots of years of experience. And third is unskilled. Okay. So, those, yeah, like, and of course, you know, when you only have so many people or when you only have so many visa numbers that you're doling out, um, of course, there's going to be a backlog. So what we do at, at my job is we have a priority date. So you applied for this visa back in 2015. Okay. And you are a tier one. Well, you, they don't have enough visas right now. The priority date is 2012. So we have to wait for that priority date to become current. So like, like right now the government says, okay, we're, we're only taking visa applicants for people that applied in 2012 right now. Okay. But you applied in 2015. So you have to wait. You don't necessarily have to wait five years until or three years, it, the visa bulletin updates every month. But if your priority date is current, like, okay, we're now accepting visa applications for the adjustment process and you apply during this time, okay, that's what they'll do. But that's employment-based. Like there's the other option is family-based. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have people like in the, that have been waiting since 1992. <laughs> It's a very long time for family-based. Wow. Yes. So, why, and that's what is the reasoning for that? Because there's a lot of people, you know, employment-based. many people. Yeah, yeah it's employment-based. You know, you, you're bringing something to the states that the states want. So, of course, we're going to give you guys priority. We can't have it all coming in at once. So, um, you know, if it's family-based, like, okay, well, I have a cousin, you know, that's that's married to a citizen. Like it's the chain migration Trump is very critical of. 
But um, it's it's a very long process, though. It's not something that people can say, I'm related to this guy. I, I want to apply for a green card. It, it doesn't work that way. It takes an incredibly long amount of time. Like some people could probably make it to adulthood and still be on the waiting list. We're going to end. We're going to end the chain migration. It's going to be the biggest yeah. part, the worst part. I mean, it'll probably open up a lot of help with the... Uh, with uh, USCIS, and from from that standpoint, I can understand why he would want to do that because the backlog is just so huge, you, you can't get to them all. So, I don't I don't have a huge problem with chain migration, but I can see where he's coming from because you're you're going so far down the line, and it's it's creating a backlog of so many people. And I I can understand his priority wanting to bring in the skilled labor first. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to come here so bad, what are you going to do for us? Mm-hmm. Well, I know what some... about people? What about people that are leaving very dire economic systems in their own countries? Um, they may not be necessarily political refugees, but if they've been forced out by violence, um, how does that factor into this process? Or does it? Well, uh, if you, if you, I don't think it does. If you're, if you're talking about asylum. Um, you know, you're escaping like some sort of persecution, which might fall under that category. You're supposed to go to the nearest country. Like you can't, if you're fleeing from El Salvador, you can't go through Mexico and then apply in the United States. That's not how it works. That's not how asylum is supposed to work. So that's, that's how it factors into the process. Like if you're from Mexico, you might be able to, um, but you can't like further down, you can't like just skip over another country to apply for asylum. That means you're not really applying for asylum. You're just trying to get to the United States. Right. Okay. And possibly jump the line as well. Yeah. So on this uh, program, I just, I thought about INS for a second and just thought of a funny memory from my childhood, but I'll, I'll leave that for a little bit later <laughs> in this interview. Um, how do you see the program as it's laid out now? Is it, is it fixable? Can it can it be changed into something that's actually workable? Should it end? DACA? Yeah. Maybe. I think it can be worked into something something that could help them throw them a bone. Like I as far as illegal immigration goes, like I, I don't care for it, I, obviously. Um, I do know a lot of people that I worked with in an old restaurant in mine that that came here illegally, but then they became citizens. And I'm okay with that. Like, it, you know, you got here illegally fine, but you, you did what you had to do while you were here mm-hmm. to become a citizen. I'm okay with that. You know, that's all I'm asking. I'm sure that's what anybody is going to ask. Like, don't just hop the border and disappear into the crowd and just never, and then give me a surprised face whenever you're, you're you might face removal proceedings. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Um, so as far as the DACA program is concerned, I think if there is a way to, to give them a path to citizenship or some sort of legal status, um, give them that option. And if they want to take that option, then that's on them. If they don't like, okay, well, we, we gave you all the options. We gave you all the chances to do it the right way based on your circumstance. If you don't want to take it, I don't know what to tell you. Goodbye. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that I've been constantly thinking about, too, as uh, I've learned more about this and what, because I look at the program like this and I see something that maybe a political club to beat on Republicans with if they ever come into office because, oh, well, the evil Republican is going to be the one that ends the program. He's just going to end it. He's going to deport everybody. Whereas Mm -hmm. we're sitting in a position right now where 
if they're in the program, they've had to fill out paperwork to a certain amount of extent. And I don't know what's on the paperwork. I will agree to my ignorance on that. But we've got the paperwork there. Um, was it CINS you said? ICNS? USCIS. 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 Mm-hmm. USCIS has all the information that goes on with people. I mean, it would be really easy to turn this into an application for a green card. Take the same paperwork that they're using to stay in the DACA program and say, okay, well, just use this as your green card now. I, I think that would be easy, but I don't know the, the intricacies and the details of it. Yeah, I wouldn't like just jump to a green card because the actual, that process, it, it goes so far back. And um, if they have, if everybody else that has to do that, like employment-based immigration people have to do that for their green card, DACA should have to as well. I'm sorry. I, I don't think you should give them any shortcuts to citizenship just because of that. Okay. Not even for people who have come here and been here since they were like four years old? Yeah. What would be the benefit of not giving them a shortcut? What do you mean? I mean, you say you're not in favor of giving them a shortcut. Why is that? Especially if they were brought here as very young children. Obviously, they did not have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Why? What, what is the benefit to not letting them skip the line? I mean, they've well, been here for the so benefit? long. They've, this is their home to them. This is their home country. They speak mm-hmm. the language. Um, they have every intention of, you know, getting an education here and getting maybe higher education here. Um, and having a job and potentially a family and all of that. Um, what would the benefit be of not just letting them have their citizenship when they turn 18? Because it would, well, one, it would look really bad for everyone else that's going through the actual process, the long process that started from the beginning. And it's, even though they were brought here as children, that doesn't mean that they should just get a, a hop to the line to the front. Because that's like saying, okay, yeah, like you worked hard and you started the paperwork from the ground up. You have all of your records of all of your stays in the United States. But this person was brought over here as a four-year-old, so they get to hop up to the front of the line. And that's not very fair. But at that point, you would have all the records because if they've been in the U.S. for that long, they've got school records all the way back to elementary school. They've got everything. Yeah, but birth records, birth records of the parents, because that does, that is required for Okay. Uh, the green card process, pro- process. You do need the birth records and you do need records of the familiar, the familiar records as well. It goes very far back. Okay. And I, I get it. Like it's either they're like four or two years old. They know this as their home, but that doesn't mean that you can just skip the line. I'm sorry. Cause can you imagine like the floodgates that would open for that? Like, okay, let's just go. We'll bring all of our kids over here and they're, they're going to get a, a hop to the front of the line for citizenship. Well, like that, that's, yeah. that's not that's not a good way to to work this immigration program because now because you're rewarding you it to their parents and it would be maybe conditional on their parents going through the process and getting the green card. Like if you go through that process, then your children can skip the line essentially because you've paid for that process and you've gone through it as a parent after you've so you don't really get off scot free in my mind. Like you've still gone through the expense and the time and all of that and jump through all of the hoops. But for your children who maybe have been here since they were very, very young, like, I feel like in that way, it's a compromise. And Are you talking about if their parents apply for the green card and citizenship? Yeah. Okay, you can apply for a green card with dependents. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They come here 
and they're considered doc they're considered in the DACA program as children mm -hmm. if their parents go ahead and go through the process of getting the green card then during that time during that time then what is the harm of letting the children just go through that same process like ed was saying just file the paperwork and maybe have you know additional birth records and then you're good to go no they do if a okay. parent applies for a green card um, they can apply for the adjustment of status. You can apply with dependents. Like you can apply as a family. You can do okay. that. Okay. Well, and I think- I don't think by virtue of just having a kid that you bring to the United States should put that whole family in front of the line. But if no. they take the time, if they take that time, like the parents can apply with their children as long as they're under the age of 21, they can apply with them. And it all goes through all. Okay. Usually all at the same time. Probably Usually. Not, yeah, they <laughs> can all- they can't all apply. Yeah, That's I've fun. just seen, I've seen a lot of stories of people who have slipped through the cracks because they were adopted here and their adoptive parents did not do the proper paperwork to get them legal citizenship status. So then they become an adult and they essentially turn 18 and become an illegal immigrant when- Oh, geez. Yeah, that, like, that's a- That's very a very specific situation. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. like that, that scares me because I know how many people want to adopt children from overseas. And mm -hmm. if they, if they don't take the responsibility to file that paperwork, I don't think that that should be on that child to do it. Even if they are at the time an adult, when they find out, I don't think it should be their, their problem. I mean, that problem was created for them. And yeah. to me, that just seems extremely unfair. I do, I do know of a story of a man who was deported because of that exact situation. And he died in the country that they deported him to because he couldn't find healthcare. He didn't speak mm -hmm. the language. He had no money, had no way to make a living because he couldn't communicate with anyone. Uh oh. In my mind, someone like that, that's an American citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, that is someone who came here not of their own choice. They should have, by for all intents and purposes, been considered a citizen. And mm -hmm. he was just basically left to die on the street in some country in Asia. And it, it was just terrible. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's not right. Like that should have been the parent's responsibility to either tell him he was adopted or tell him mm -hmm. at this point you need to you need to apply for citizenship. Like that's 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 really shitty on the parents part. It is. Like, I don't yeah. understand I think, why they didn't think about that. Well, I think it was a, an abusive situation where they mm. were. They adopted from overseas because they couldn't adopt here because they didn't pass all the requirements. Oh, geez. So it was very, it was very messy. And I hate seeing stories like that. Mm -hmm. I hate it. it what I probably would have done is run to a, to a lawyer and probably talk about that and mm -hmm. ask them, what can I do in this situation? Yeah. It got maybe media attention. Got, yeah. They, I don't understand. Well, I would have taken that to immigration court. Like maybe they could have fought for a reason. But yeah, I don't know. You know uh, unfortunately, I, that that's a horrible story. But that's it's still the same as rules for thee and not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's not how the law should be applied. Like just you know, just, just because you were here a long time doesn't mean you know you are considered a citizen until you do the paperwork. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guess but if yeah, you've been raised, I guess if you've been raised and told that you are a citizen. You wouldn't know. Yeah, that's, you that's just wouldn't the, know. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's on his parents' part, really. It's not really on the United States' part. 
You know, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure the people that that deported him felt horrible about it too. Like, well, dude, right? Don't know but how do, do you hold how do you hold those people accountable? I guess then becomes the question of if you do have people who adopt a child and then don't get their paperwork filed for their citizenship, and then the child gets in trouble when they're an adult. How do you mm-hmm. hold the parents accountable for that know. after the fact? I don't know. That's not, I don't think that's an immigration matter. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the guy can take him to civil court and maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, just, I, I, I'm just posing it as like yeah. a, this is an interesting, you know, scenario. And I'm sure yeah. that it's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would think to adopt overseas. I don't know if it, it's through their courts. So I don't know mm-hmm. if, the, the overseas court should have told them they you need to apply for citizenship or maybe well, like, and I'm sure that they did you know yeah that's but. not right well wait a minute like if he if he was considered a dependent when they didn't they not file taxes and stuff like if he was considered a dependent they would have said wait a minute you didn't have a baby they, they I, I don't know how they did interesting guffaws here that, yeah, that yeah. I mean, there's some people that don't file taxes yeah, maybe they didn't. Then maybe their asses are in jail with the IRS. Who knows? Or maybe they just didn't claim him as a dependent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but see, a lot, of, lot of. I'll have to go back and find it. And now that I'm thinking about it, I might be crossing two different stories. Because there was, okay. there was one about a guy in I think Seattle. He was like married and had children and everything, and he was adopted, and he ended up getting deported because he committed a crime. And oh, no. it wasn't super se- It wasn't a very serious crime. I think it was maybe burglary, but no one got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously still a crime that creates a victim, but it is not as if he murdered someone or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, to me, there's kind of a hierarchy there. <laughs> well, if he had, if he married a citizen and uh, he married or he had children, like I would think he could probably go through some sort yeah, of channel. They were, threatening, they were threatening to deport him. And then I think maybe the other story was, of the guy that got deported and his sister was trying to get him back here because of his medical problems. And then he was mm-hmm. the one that died overseas. So maybe I'm, con- maybe I'm putting those two stories together in my mind. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's been it years since it happened. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We got, we got to actually start wrapping this up here. We're getting up on that uh, half hour mark here. But uh, okay. before we get out of here, I did have one other question for you. And I've already posed this question to you once, but you didn't know what I was talking about at the time. I know I showed you the video already at this point. When you were on Silent Caster's uh, stream, I asked you this question. Uh, did you see the video that I showed you in Discord about Gamer Girl? Oh, yeah. The, the Gamer Girl. Yeah, I saw a lot of it. <laughs> so now that, uh, now that you know what I'm talking about here, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Gamer Girl and the uh, the simp simulator, as I described it in, uh, in the question I asked you. <laughs> They really do make a game for everybody. <laughs> I, I was looking at like the production values of this game actually look pretty nice. Like they have an actual actor or actress and she, she plays the part very well. <laughs> like this is a really well done game. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm lie. I'm confused. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> you play, it's a game where you play as a moderator of a Twitch girl with big boobs and does slutty things online. And so she'll, so like you'll have options, it's you know like Fallout, you have an option to do this or do this, and she'll say, hey, this guy's being mean, what should I do? And then you can say ban him, give him a warning or stuff like that. That's weird. Yeah. I'm not it's a gamer at all, so. No, that's okay, it's like an interactive uh, simp game. It's like a <laughs> choose your own ad- adventure for internet culture. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's there's a subset of the internet of men that are moderators of these very attractive girls, and they, you know, being a moderator in their channel makes them feel important or like they're on the good side of this girl, and you know, when really they have no chance in hell with her. So it's really sad. And these men give these women so much money, so much of their hard-earned money. It's wow. Yeah. It's your money. You do whatever you want with it. Right. <laughs> well, I think we're going to get ahead, uh, ready and wrap this up and get back up to the main show here. But before we get out of here, over on the left side of the screen, you can see in bright green font, Harvey McLeod's Twitch channel, her extension for that, and her Instagram. Go ahead and check that out. But for those of those listening back on the audio, audio platform, why don't you tell us where they can find you? Me? Yes. Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitch, uh, uh, Harvey McLeod. It's all one word, uh, two C's in McLeod. And uh, you can find me on Instagram, the lovely Harvey McLeod. I also have a YouTube channel where I don't really do much, but you can go check out my King of the Hill video on there. Um, that's also going to be Harvey McLeod. But yeah, just you can mostly find me on Twitch, and I look forward to seeing you. I'm going to be playing Bayonetta 2 next. All right, and we will be back to the main show in just a moment. So thank you, everybody, for coming and uh, giving Harvey some attention and hanging out with us. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Harvey. Take care. And we are back. Thanks, everybody, who came in and participated with this interview here. It was a good time to have. Uh, we had a great time talking with Harvey, and she's a great friend of the show. So thanks to Harvey for coming by here. You want to catch us up with the live chat while I get the next scene set up? As I take the music down here. I heard none of what you said. Oh, I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, I just introduced Harvey back in. You want to catch us up with a live chat while I get everything back set up? Yeah, um, Harvey was commenting on her own performance, which I totally understand because I never like listening to my own after they're over. Um, we discussed potentially kicking you off of the podcast so that we could do our own girls only podcast someday. And she said that's why they're immigration attorneys for crazy circumstances. Very true. And she's going to head home from the office. So thank you so much, Harvey, for joining us over the weekend. That was a very good discussion. And we should do that more often. Absolutely. Maybe once a month we'll have a different guest on. I've got a plan to see if we... Uh, I think I'm going to reach out to Matt Christensen this week. He's on vacation, but just see if he can pop on for uh, September because I think that would be a good one. And he brings a big audience with him wherever he goes. So I think that would be a good one for the channel here. But we still oh, have a... Great bunch to get to here and we're gonna yes we do we're gonna brush up on the edge of time too if we go along with this so i wanted to start after we came back here with uh talking about the george floyd thing the video that came out so to catch everybody up who doesn't know what happened with this george floyd um we all know what happened with george floyd and the kneeling on the neck but there was body cam footage that reporters could come in and see by appointment uh, via the city of Minneapolis to do so and a roving reporter leaked video it looks like it was taken from like an eyeglass cam or a cell phone or something they were supposed to surrender their cell phones when they went in but it looks like it came off of a laptop and went onto a cell phone and got leaked out to the Daily Mail now Wojcicki will shut this channel down 
if I played the video for this, but I have put together some audio. It was about an eight minute video. I took it down to just under four minutes of the audio that came with this that shows that Floyd was uh, resisting arrest. But yeah, if I put the video up, she's going to shut this uh, channel down immediately. So let's just have a little bit of a listen to what, uh, what this sounded like here, and we'll see what we can draw from it. Maybe. There it goes. Now in the video, the uh, officer that had the body cam on was walking up to the car with a gun in his hand at this time. But finger off the trigger. Okay, 
I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying to win. I get on the ground anything. I get through hard. You know it. I think we kind of have the gist of what went on with this at this point. So from the body cam footage that we had here, and a lot of this stuff was already put out to the mainstream press, but for the most part, looking at this now, it does show the fact that George Floyd was actually resisting arrest and was asking to be put on the ground, whether the fact that he was claustrophobic and couldn't get into the car. And over and over again, the officers did offer to roll the windows down for him. But if you could see the video, uh, from the Daily Mail, which if you haven't seen it, go over and check out the Daily Mail's version. They do still have it up. It hasn't been taken down yet. But uh, yeah, he was very, very aggressively resisting at some points of this video. So um, what does this what does this do for you at all, if anything? I mean, resisting arrest is not the death penalty. No, I understand so that. To me, it's still, it's still a, an aggressive overreach of um, police power and you know, suppression. Um, to me, it sounds like he, like, I haven't seen the video. I mean, I've seen the video, but I haven't seen this version of it. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds to me like he's almost manic. Yeah. Like he's having an issue more than just, oh, he's resisting arrest. Mm -hmm. He, he legitimately sounds like he might be having a medical problem and didn't, yes. Didn't the talk screen come back that he, did have drugs in his system? Uh, very, very large cocktail of them, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, which I mean, is probably why he was acting that way. I mean, this, for me, for the fact that Ellison put out uh, Murder 2 onto the table, given this video coming out at this point, I'm pretty positive he overcharged. And I don't know if you saw what? the Christians. What's that? Say that again? I'm pretty positive that Ellison overcharged if the... Uh, if the events of this video are correct at this point, I don't think you can get murder two off of this. I don't know. I could see negligent. I'm not well, I'm not well versed enough in legal code to, to be able to say for sure one way or another. Yeah. I could see definitely negligence of some sort or negligent uh, manslaughter, but I don't, I cannot see a murder two off of this given everything that I've seen off of what's there, which if, if they can't get murder happens. two, what happens to Minneapolis at this point? Because the people of the city of Minneapolis are expecting a murder two charge to come out of this. They want murder one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. So I don't know. Uh, according it's not going to be good. The thing that got me the most out of this though, wasn't necessarily the fact that this came out and got leaked. I knew this was going to get leaked eventually, no matter what. But the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is, is that care 11 right now and the city of Minneapolis are both investigating how this could have possibly got leaked and not how the events that were recorded on this video change anything else that went along with this. So it does feel, it sets off the tinfoil receptors in my head massively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So I don't, It's it, distressing, honestly. Yeah. It was distressing me to listen to it because I knew that he was about to die. And that's just, yeah, it's not good. I got a government overreach uh, of the week up here, but I don't have the sounder up. I can't find my uh, sounder currently here. 
So we'll just have to imagine that the sounder was there for this one. But Los Angeles now has decided that they are going to cut off the water and power to properties that are hosting any large gatherings. Uh, did you see this one at all out of this? I did, yeah. It was crazy. So according That's to- why they don't want to go off the grid, right? Yeah, according to Fox News, L.A. homeowners who violate the city's coronavirus-related safety measures may find themselves on the receiving end of some unwelcome consequences. During a press conference Wednesday night, Eric Garcetti authorized the city to shut off power and water to properties, including houses and businesses that are in violation of gathering regulations, as a means to shut these places down permanently. In the middle of summer in Los Angeles, you're not allowed to have your air conditioning or your water. This is insanity. This is... This is happy little tyrant coming up and saying, well, you are going to do as I say, or you are going to suffer the consequences. Yeah, it is. It's, that's tyranny right there. Right there. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Because these people Nothing are... more, nothing less. Just an, an overwhelming desire to control other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we actually have friends and family out there too. Uh Brit is out in that direction. I have a cousin that actually lives around the corner from Brit. Mm-hmm. So this is this is definitely something that could affect people that we know. Right. Yeah, it is. Um, I also heard this morning that there are a couple of universities. This goes along with it. They are threatening to expel students that attend any gatherings on or off campus in their own free time not on university property if they attend gatherings of 10 or more people which would be in violation of the governor's mandate Mm -hmm. they will expel you from college and yet people still insist on living in that area i don't understand it's i don't think it was california i think it was texas was it yeah wow that's that blows me away even further i didn't i didn't add it to our show notes because it was it happened today Mm -hmm. and not last week Garcetti says in the statement, by turning off that power, shutting off that water, we feel we can close these places down, which are usually not one-time offenders, but multiple offenders. So, I mean, this, what you can and cannot do in your own home and your own property, peacefully, with people assessing the risk of their own, is what Mayor, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti wants to control. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't understand how people can do that. So that's what we have going on with that. Let's talk about this little cognitive uh, test idea that went along this week. And the article that I have up actually has some of the transcript of this. I didn't have video of this. I couldn't pull any of that together in the time frame allotted. But I do have transcript of this. And I want to take a little bit of time and read some of that here. But from the Daily Wire, Biden walks back claiming uh, claims on taking cognitive tests, rambles about cocaine during a bizarre interview. Uh, presumptive Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden said during a bizarre and at times contentious interview on Wednesday morning that he has not taken a cognitive test despite claiming that he has, uh, claiming in the past that he has. Have you taken a cognitive test? CBS correspondent Errol Barnett asked. No, I haven't taken a test. Biden shot back. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're not taking cocaine or not, what do you think? Uh, are, are you junkie? What do you say to President Trump, who brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? The host pressed as Biden laughed. Well, if he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, 
I don't know what the hell he's talking about, Biden responded. Did you watch that? Come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with him. And I'm not making this up to do my Biden impression. This is actually in the transcript. Every... <laughs> to stand with That's the president in, in, de in debates, I, there's going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to have something. I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say. And then Biden concluded, anyway, I'm a, I'm a very willing to let the American public judge my physical, mental, fill, my physical as well as my mental, fill, fitness. So that was the story that went along with that there. I, I, I've seen the video. Like I said, I didn't have time to gather it up and put it up onto the program there. We could have actually watched this happen live. But uh, did you see the video? Yeah, I did. I saw a clip at the very end where he was like, are you on crack? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And you know what's crazy? I still have friends that defend him. I, I still, still know people that will vote for him. Who defend him and say, well, he's always been prone to gaffes. Were you that forgiving for George W. Bush? Are you that forgiving for President Trump? No, like, like just, if you're gonna have that standard, you have to apply it equally. Well, with President Trump, if he misapplies a uh, capitalization in a tweet, they think that he's uh, on the end of his mental decline. This is the person that they want to be president. I I can't understand. And there are people that unironically want that to happen because they think he'll actually be a good leader. <sighs> it's insanity. We are living in idiocracy. We are. It was not meant to be a, a how-to manual. Uh, tell me about this Tommy Lahren thing, speaking of stupid things that happened this week. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Tommy Lahren put out a 14-minute video addressing her and her friends' issues with men. The segment was prefaced as a helpful guide for men titled PSA for Boyish Men. Stressed that men over the age of 20 from across the country, from Texas to Nashville to Los Angeles, do not know how to treat women and are generally, quote unquote, trash, though there are exceptions, she said. There's always an exception. All of my friends, this is what she said. All of my friends are attractive. All of my friends are successful. All of my friends have something going on. Almost every single one of them have an issue with men. If all of these women, including myself, are having issues, then I have to think it might not be us. It might be you. It might be men. And then she went on to talk about the, the pussification of American men and how men are no longer men. Well, she's not really and, wrong there. Yeah, she's not really wrong there. <laughs> um, but she said a lot of women just, a lot of men do not know how to treat women. A lot of men do not know how to pull their heads out of the sand and pay attention. So I'm going to help you. One of the four areas she identified was the issue of men pursuing a woman while they're involved with other women, or as she called them, I can't even pronounce this, Thatiana's. Yeah, a Thatiana. If you are a Thatiana, that is a slang term for a slut. <laughs> and she also went on to say, I love men. I think men are great. I think men have failed themselves and they've failed us. And I'm trying to help you out because I think there are a lot of really great guys out there who need some help. And I don't think there are a lot of women that are stepping up and saying these things. The pundit also told men to value value and not mix in people like me and my friends who have something going on with your other girls that have nothing going on. Don't mix us in with those 
Thotianas. <laughs> wow. So, so I watched part of it, but not all of it. And honestly, I found myself like, uh-huh, yep. Mm-hmm, yeah, that too. Yep. <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I've never been married. Um, I have dated men, like, you know, for the last decade at least. And yeah, I kind of agree with her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I wish I could be like, Tommy got it wrong, but Tommy didn't get it wrong. Tommy got it right that time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some clocks and all that stuff. <laughs> there are some issues and nuances that go along with this. And I can look around to this. And I mean, I do try and step up and, you know, treat a lady the way that she should be treated. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I falter. But I mean, I, she's not wrong. There is been a gra mess or a gradual decline of mm -hmm. my gender going on throughout everything but the other thing of this is is tommy lord just recently broke up with a man who gave her a fifty thousand dollar diamond ring she i thought just, she broke up with him last summer so i don't think it's that recent i thought it was a bit more recent than that but i mean this just screeches of bitter, angry woman who just got hurt not that long ago. Sometimes anger brings up some raw emotions. Mm -hmm. I can understand that, that doesn't entirely. Always mean, but that does not always mean that they are incorrect. Yeah. And if it was something that she was observing over the course of the relationship and hoping that maybe with increased, and this, women do this, hoping that with increased commitment, the behavior will change. And then that behavior didn't change. And she was just kind of like, all right, I'm out. That doesn't mean that the relationship was perfect all along and then she broke it off mm -hmm. it could have never been perfect right like it could have just been i mean everybody always puts the good stuff on social media mm -hmm. so she's never going to go on her instagram or her facebook page or wherever she is active and be like you're never going to believe what he did this week she's not going to do that she's just going to pretend like everything is picture perfect until the end when she's like well really it wasn't so i think we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to not do that. Like I'm all for keeping relationships off of social media, like period, unless you're married. Mm -hmm. um, but even then don't, don't air your marital dirty laundry on Twitter or on Facebook or right. whatever. That's very immature. But um, honestly, she's not wrong. Men just got to do better. Also, you guys have to pick better women because if there, women are there is that too. And, and you're putting up with it, then you're just giving them a free pass for bad behavior and yeah. they're going to just continue doing it. And it, it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Like women who put up with men who behave badly and men who put up with women who behave badly, it all has to stop in, in, in order for everything to get better. It's, it's never going to get better if that doesn't stop. Yeah. And I mean, you've heard some of my horror stories too, off of my, some of the really bad one. You've heard the really, really bad one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been there too. I've been in relationships that weren't great, that weren't mm -hmm. healthy, um, that weren't functioning, that were emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. um, been in relationships with narcissists more than once. Um, it's hard. And I, I just don't think she's wrong. I, I wish I could say that she was, but I just don't think she's wrong. No one asked for it, but yeah. I'm going to give it to you anyway. My three tips <laughs> are probably more helpful than hers, actually. Um, Effort, follow through, and consistency. If you do those three things, you will automatically become a better boyfriend, a better partner, mm -hmm. husband, whatever. 
those three things are huge for women. We like to know what we can expect from you. We like to know that we can count on you. And so if you are inconsistent, that makes us feel anxious. Like, is he going to come through this time? Or am I going to be like left waiting or left holding the bag or, you know, whatever. If you are consistent and you put the effort in and then you also follow through and it's not just like you put effort in for two weeks and then you slack off um, for months. And then all of a sudden, oh, I think she might be getting bored with me. I'm going to try really hard again. That's not good either. Like it has to be consistent across the board. So don't establish, so don't establish, um, expectations early on that are too high that you can't maintain for the long, for the long haul. It was interesting hearing this coming from you as well, too, because this is actually the first time that I haven't heard this from a trad con because (laughs) most of the commentary that I've been hearing of this, uh, well, the two major ones were blonde in the belly of the beast and, uh, Mac and Liberty who are both extremely trad con. Mac and Liberty tries often, to say that she's I not. Often joke that I'm a, I often joke that I'm a trad wife without a husband. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got one last one here for you. It's a little bit of surprise stupidity for you. And I got a picture to bring up onto the screen for that as well here, along with an article that goes along with that. So let's see what the picture looks like. And then we will read from Delaware. Come on, come up here. Newcastle County Vehicles. Where the fuck did it go? I'm sorry. Newcastle County Vehicles joining the fight against COVID-19 by getting face masks. From DJ McKenney. Residents of the Newcastle County are going to start seeing some new modifications to the county vehicles spotted on the roads or making an appearance at public offense. Face masks. Using $7,770 in CARES Act funding, the Newcastle County has entered into a partnership with locally-based Carvertize to help promote the uh, message of wearing a mask to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Public health safety messaging is going to be a large priority, said Mac McLeod, Carvertize CEO, at an event at Frawley Station on Wednesday announcing the campaign. Knowing the administration, they like to be creative, they like to be bold, they like to be resourceful, and they like to do things that the other county governments are not doing. So we hopped on the phone with Matt and his team, and they wanted it to be the first county government in the United States to leverage their own fleet, turning them into models of messaging vehicles to help curb the spread of COVID-19. I don't know what your uh, automotive mechanical knowledge is, but they are putting... Mask- Goose egg. <laughs> Zero. They're putting a mask barrier over a radiator in the middle of fucking summer. And that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. And expecting these cars not to overheat, especially like if the police car is in a police chase for whatever reason, or the ambulance is trying to get to somewhere in a hurry, or the fire truck for that matter. So this is Newcastle County in what state? Delaware. Okay. I missed that part. There's a Newcastle, Indiana. So I was like, that's not in, that's not Newcastle County. No. That's a different county. So I was trying to figure out in my head, like, where this was. No, this was in Delaware. This actually came to me by uh, Fritz from Fritzcast. He posted this okay. up there, and I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got to talk about this one here. This is just beyond dumb. This is pandering. to the, And the fact that they spent eight, almost $8,000 worth of CARES Act funding to do it. Yeah. It is helping uh, a small business. I'll give them that. I can't believe that that went through all of the approvals process. And no one said, 
Maybe we should consult a mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should ask someone who works on cars if we should do this. I can't see any reason that this goes wrong. None at all. It'll be hilarious when it happens. So, well, that's a show. And other than uh, our very triggered friend over there, we don't really have much else in the uh, in the chat since uh, Harvey left here. So, I... I blocked him. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. I didn't know you had. Uh, it mod... was just spam. I didn't know you had mod power over there. Yeah, I do. Oh, I have all the power. I have the same login you have. What are you talking about? Oh, that's true. <laughs> I yeah, I suppose my Twitch login is the the same, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to be a show. So, thanks everybody who came by and chatted with us. Let's get the outro music up out of here. Come on, think faster. There we go. All right. So, thanks everybody who came out and chatted with us, uh, keeping us honest, keeping a little bit of sanity out here. I will be doing a little bit of stat tracking here and trying to figure out why I'm suppressed over on D Live and YouTube because. I need to figure out why I'm not getting viewership that I'm normally regularly getting, but we will address that up and off mic, and I'll be doing a little bit of that off camera here. But if you are just catching up now and you want to catch us back on the go, you can find us over on YouTube and over on BitChute.com, or you can find us on the audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you're over on iTunes, leave us that five-star rating and a good review. That always helps us move up the charts. Lastly, go over and check out our great uh, other creators over on the uh, freedomscoop.com, The Generational Gap, The Irate Conservative, The Freckles of Brit Show, The Breakdown with Breckenhoff, and Stephen Ignoramus. Go over and check all those channels out and help us pick up some and support some great creators over there. Lastly, as always, we always say, never take the words of bloggers, podcasters, or journalists as gospel. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusions. What do you have to lead them out with today? Have a good week and make good choices. Take care, everyone. <laughs>